Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 27 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Now, last week, we kind of went long form, uh, both in the tech as well as in the paranormal section. So this week, we've kind of returned to a more regular uh, style of uh, podcasting, right, Angelo? I think so. Uh, We might end up going long form on certain things. Who knows? We might even finally cover lake monsters. Um, something is strange though tonight. You sound a little different because we're attempting to use Skype just so that we can have a little more uh, variables at play. Let's say um, Houndgouts isn't working one night because last week uh, nobody noticed because they didn't hear this part, but uh, Hangouts crapped out on us right at the end. And um, I'm hoping that never happens. But tonight we're trying Skype just in case to have it as a backup, right? Because backups are a good idea. Right. So I think the problem right now is on my end because i have a dsl line and a dry loop and unfortunately uh this building is very old so the phone lines are probably being slowly gnawed at by rats or something like that right so um i'm gonna talk to my sp very shortly and see what can be done about that because yeah last week's uh debacle wasn't really fun to record in yeah we had a few issues but no hopefully nobody noticed that if you did notice let us know but we can't do anything about it because we're not time travelers so Maybe we'll contact John Titor. <laughs> yeah, maybe he can fax us or we can affect him. Um, speaking of problems and other things, the Pixel 2 screen burn uh, is a thing that's happening to a lot of users uh, who have just picked up the phone. Yeah, we're, this is not even in the show notes. It's uh, it's hot off the presses for when we're recording this. It might be solved by the time you hear it. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a problem. I watched... Uh, one of the better reviews was uh, MKBHD's review about it, and he talked that his unit didn't get the burn-in yet, um, but that is a problem. All the other things kind of can be overlooked, right? Like the the screen tinge or whatever, you won't really see it. The color saturation can be fixed with software, but if the screen is burning in, that's not good at all. Especially since this phone is brand new, hot off of the, not the presses, but the assembly line, I guess, would be the best way of putting it, right? So within a week of receiving your phone, imagine you already have screen burn-in. That's really unfortunate. Luckily, um, the Pixel doesn't sell in huge numbers, so even if they do have to do a recall of some kind, it won't be a major thing. It's not like if, uh, for example, a battery started exploding on a Samsung phone, that was a major <laughs> problem. Or let's say... Uh, let's say this starts happening to the iPhone 10, which is uh, coming out soon. It'll be uh, um, it'll be Friday as of the day uh, this comes out, right? So it'll be coming out this week. And what happens if the three or four or five million uh, iPhone 10s that come out in the first batch, many of them end up having this uh, burn-in issue because that is an issue with OLED screens. Uh, it's the first time Apple uses OLED. So who knows how these iPhone 10s are going to look. I'm hoping they'll be fine. Um, something that's interesting, speaking of the iPhone 10, is that Apple is encouraging people to line up at the store, and they haven't been doing that lately. Like even with the Apple Watch, when that launched, uh, they weren't even available in the stores at first. But apparently Apple is saying they're going to have stock available for the iPhone 10 in store for people that line up. So I'm kind of curious to see what the Montreal Apple store is going to look like on November 3rd. I'll be there with my iPhone 8 plus taking pictures. Great. Taking pictures, doing a man on the street, maybe doing some live tweeting, hopefully from the double density count. I think it's worth being late to work for. What do you think? Maybe we'll see. I don't know who at work listens to this. I don't want them to know that I'm late because of an iPhone thing. 
but uh, but they wouldn't be surprised. Let's be honest. No, they 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 wouldn't be. So speaking of the iPhone eight, um, there are some misconceptions out there. I've been hearing the word on the street. If we're talking about the street, a uh, few people have approached me and said, "Oh, well, somebody told me the the seven is basically the same as the eight, and it's not much of a difference. So I'm just going to buy the seven. Um, what do you think of stuff like that, Brian? I think people are uh, sorely misinformed and don't even care about doing any of the research or listening to anything anyone knowledgeable says, right? That's pretty much it. What'll happen is that the person at the carrier store will say, oh yeah, look, you can get this iPhone 7 for 100 bucks less and it's the same phone. It does the same things. It looks exactly the same, which that's the problem with the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus and why they're not selling in the huge numbers um, and what made people like me get a great deal on it. Uh, which I guess is a good thing, selfishly, but it looks the same. And because the processors were so good, and even in the 6s and the 7, the, it doesn't feel that different from day to day stuff. But when you start doing other things like shooting video and photos and stuff, there is a huge difference. And in terms of raw uh, speeds and feeds, which I know Apple doesn't really care about, I don't really care about them at this point either. But uh, if you break it down, the processor in the iPhone 8s is much, much better. So the A10 is much better, uh, is less than the A11, which is a pretty good processor. But speaking of phones that aren't selling as well as they hope, the Essential phone, in the States at least, has slashed uh, $200 off of its original $700 price tag. So it is down to about $500. Um, a lot of people are seeing this as a sign that the uh, Essential iPhone, they not the iPhone, but the Essential phone, I should say, because I spend all my time saying iPhone with you. So yeah. I think it's like hard-coded into my brain never to say phone anymore. I'm sorry about um, that. It's all your fault. But yeah, so the Essential phone is now down 200 bucks, And uh, the company lies that they're claiming that they'd rather give consumers the uh, price off instead of spending money on a massive TV campaign to capture attention of new users. What do you think of that? I don't know about that. That sounds like a bit of a spin. But the thing is, it's kind of unfortunate that this phone isn't selling well because the more competition out there, the better it is. I mean, look at Apple. They... they the iPhone's great. Like I really like it. Obviously, I think people know that. But it's it it they kind of stagnated a bit with what they were doing. But I think it's because they were working on perfecting this iPhone 10. But the thing is, is competition is good. Like Google's coming in, and hopefully they'll have uh, some good hard- hardware in the future. Unfortunately, with the Pixel, it's not working out like they hoped. Samsung has some great phones. They did a good rebound from last year when. It was, uh, we can call the Note 8, uh, the Note 7 a disaster, right, Brian? Yeah, I think that, <laughs> I think it's the very definition of a disaster. So, I mean, you're still, if you go take a plane now, you'll still see some, some airlines have banners on their um, schedules saying that you can't take the uh, Note 7 on the plane. I mean, who still has a Note 7 at this point? They should have just brought it in. But it, competition's good, and it's kind of unfortunate that this essential phone isn't selling. The thing is, is that, there weren't that many to begin with. They weren't producing them. And it's, I don't want to call it boring or anything, but it's not exactly the most exciting hardware out there. Uh, if, if you, if given the choice, you had to take an Android phone, would you choose this over the really nice Samsung phones that are out there? Like, a, you know, like a Pixel 2, for example, perhaps. Uh, perhaps. I mean, I, I think one of the drawing points of the essential phone is that you uh, have fully taken charge of it, right? Like you decide exactly what goes on in it. 
on your phone in terms of apps and settings and things like that to a degree to which even Android uh, can't do natively, right? Like you have to install a bunch of apps and theory in order to be able to control some of the settings that the essential does. So I think it applies to a niche uh, market of people. I'd probably pick a Pixel 2 probably just based on the specs and um, a lot of the support around that. The problem is, Brian, your iPhone forever now. I've given, uh, I've given my blood sample, my hair sample... Um, they have me on file here and forever. I've joined the brotherhood, really. Uh, have I made the sign of the Apple while walking by? Perhaps. I don't want to talk about it, but yes, I may have done it to the Apple store recently. Bless you, Brian. Double Density presents the sounds of your youth. Double Density. Welcome back to the Double Density Podcast. And Angelo, let's talk about hacking or the appearance of hacking. So this came up last week. Um, On Wednesday nights, I bring my daughter to ballet. And um, I usually just go for a walk around uh, the area where uh, the school is because we're not allowed inside. And last week I was sitting in my car because it was sort of raining. So I was relaxing in my car. Wait, hold up. You're not allowed inside the ballet school? In the classroom? No. And I'm allowed inside the school. Like there's no viewing area? Yeah, there's, there's a no sitting like... area, but I don't feel like sitting there. So I, I usually... Initially, you made it sound like you weren't allowed in the building, which it kind of <laughs> yeah, suggests... Yeah, drop off the kid and... <laughs> suggests the wrong thing. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm fine. So, but that's besides the point. Anyway, I don't even know I brought that up. I'm so long-winded, sorry. People are going to complain about this. So I'm sitting in the car and my wife sends me a text message. Uh, your dad called uh, and he wanted to talk to you and, and then he hung up. So my dad never calls. It's usually my mom and I'll talk to my dad indirectly, whatever. But my dad normally doesn't call me for much um, unless there's something wrong with uh, his computer. So he calls and I call him back. First wondering what's going on. And he tells me his Facebook is in the wrong language. So then my brother-in-law is there who's um, he's, a, he's a little older than us and he's, he's not a computer guy, right? Like he's, he, he knows that he uses iPhone and stuff, but he's not majorly into computers and he's trying to work on, on my dad's Facebook because it's in Albanian. In Albanian. So not in English, not in French, not in Italian, but Albanian. Yeah. So he's like, I don't know. What if somebody's hacked into his computer? I don't know what your dad did. You got to help me. I can't figure this out. I don't know what to do. So I said, look, I'm, I'm on my I'm on my phone. I'm not home. I can't really go on a browser because obviously on on mobile it's not the same, right? So I wouldn't be able to really tell what's going on. Um, although I don't have the app on my phone, I just ha- I would have gone through the web browser, but it's not the same thing. So once I got home, I went and looked on the browser, and indeed I logged into my dad's Facebook because I do have his password. And yeah, it wasn't uh, in English, French, or Italian. It was in I think it was Albanian. I'm not quite sure because I couldn't really read it. But luckily, I didn't realize this about Facebook, but it's really easy to change the language, even by mistake. I don't know if you've noticed this. I have not, but do you want to quickly run us through this? Because I clearly should need to know this for the near future when I do, in fact, change the language settings on my Facebook profile. So it's just there at the bottom on the right-hand side. If you scroll down all the way, you'll see the languages. And all I did was just click it back into Italian for him, and it was it was fine. But it was just my dad must have clicked by mistake on the wrong thing or my mom my mom's been going on to facebook lately i don't know what what i think of like uh 
almost 80. Well, my mom's almost 80 and my dad's in his 80s playing around with Facebook. It's kind of weird, but that keeps them young, I guess. And um, yeah, he must have just misclicked it and then it was fine. So there was no hacking done, but it's interesting to see how uh, my brother-in-law jumped to the conclusion because this is in the news a lot people getting hacked and it always seems to be like eastern european so as soon as he saw that it was like albanian he's like okay we've been hacked by the albanian mob or something and that's what it, so he thought there was like some sort of ransomware who knows what he did and i think this was on my dad's old dell laptop he wasn't using uh, the imac that i gave him last uh, two years ago so um, it is obviously possible that there was some ransomware but i don't know that in this case, it probably wasn't, but it made me think, what is the likelihood of just um, some random person like ourselves or my dad or whoever being hacked for for no reason? Like, and I'm not talking about ransomware or whatever, that's different. That's, you've made a mistake, you've clicked on the wrong thing, you've actually let somebody in. But somebody from the outside is in their little matrix computer, uh, feverishly typing and hacking into your computer what what are the chances of that i think that you know i've I've done a bit of research on this right so it's it's a callback to the 90s when you know a targeting a particular terminal seemed to be a lot easier to do in terms of you know computer to computer right but it seems like a lot of hacking now kind of happens uh, in a dragnet sort of way right where it's like it's a wide net is cast and then hackers pull in what they can and from there there's a lot of automated processes that go through your computer and either lock you up or you know turn your computer into a, an attack bot for a denial of service attack or you know things like that so i think that like um, there's a higher chance of being indiscriminately hacked rather than target hacked. But, you know, then again, you and I aren't particularly uh, famous or notable people at the same time either, right? So I don't think that um, that kind of plays into uh, the narrative of us getting hacked. Yeah, like if we were hacked, it would be because we used a similar password on a site where the passwords got breached, uh, which has happened. Like if if I plug my email address into, um, what's it called? Have you been pwned? That Have I called? been pwned, which is Have a great service. Everyone should sign up for it. I've gotten a couple of uh, emails uh, over the last, I'd say like I've been signed up for maybe three years. So a couple of times I've had emails and then I have to re- try to remember because some of these sites I just logged into once or twice and I try to remember uh, which uh, password or ver- more more likely password variation I was using at the time in order and some of these sites go back you know 10 12 years at this point yeah that's the problem I've I've been I have five sites or not even three sites and then two things where uh, millions of emails were were breached and some password information might have gone through those are new actually when I looked it up in researching this uh, this uh, segment on the show and um the the good news is for me anyway, I don't know about you, but in the last year and a half, I've started using a password manager. In my case, I use I use iCloud Keychain, which I know is is not the best one. But the thing is, is I don't need anything more than that because uh, everything I use is, is an Apple um, product. Like in terms of I have an iPad, an iPhone, and an iMac. Those are my three major computers. In the office at work, I don't, I have a, of a PC, but I don't really log into my own stuff. Everything there is work-related, so I have a few passwords for work that I know, and that's it. I don't need a pass ma- password manager for those. Do you want to go ahead and start listing off your work passwords just for fun? Sure. Um, work pass with <laughs> a, a dollar sign. Right. 32. 
you laugh, but um, there's a co-working space I used to rent space from, and their Wi-Fi password was a similar variation on that. Um, so I, <laughs> I was kind of quietly judging them from the day I stepped in there. Yeah, see, like I, I, I like stealth hacked them just by guessing. Uh, yeah, so well, that's just social engineering. Yeah, well, and so then that's what we'll get to later. But I've been using um, iCloud Keychain because it's convenient. It's free. Um, and it works well, like I said, because I have those, those three devices I use and they're all Apple. And, um, the other thing that's important is that my iCloud keychain is, is basically a derivative of my iCloud account and my iCloud password, it's a password I know, but it's pretty long. I think it's 12 or 13 or 14 or 15 characters long. And I have, um, two-factor authentication on it. So what that means is that if somebody uh, tries to log into my account, I get a prompt on my on my phone or, or iPad or iMac, and I get a code, and it tells me where that prompt is coming from. So I'll know it's me who's trying to log into something. I have the same thing with my Google account. I think my Google password is even longer than my, uh, than my actual um, iCloud account. But then all the other two, all the other passwords I have, I have no idea what they are. So, like, Brian, you can take me into a dark alley, try to, like, torture my passwords out of me, but I have no idea what they are. You do realize that you, in talking about this, though, you've opened up, like, a whole new lane for crackers and hackers to try and figure out your uh, password manager password, as well as where you'll be at any given time, which is easily findable uh, in public in case you uh, they want to torture that two-factor out of you. I'm hoping people that listen to the show would never do that because we have really, really nice listeners. We do, but we're talking about the idea of um, uh, like revenge or hateful listening a couple episodes back, and I'd like to think there's like at least like one antagonist out there who's thinking about you angrily, you know, uh, beating one fist into the palm of their other hand while swearing about you. So this is not a challenge. I do not want to be hacked. I'm just saying that I. <laughs> this is the way I I use I approach my security. I have two factor on, and uh, I I have passwords I don't know essentially. Um, have you been using a password manager, Brian? Uh, I have on and off. Uh, I just, um, I keep switching things in terms of like, you know, my phone as well as like uh, apps as well as other things. So I need to get something a little more stable in terms of what I use on a regular basis. So I'm in between right now, but most of my passwords are also long and, uh, robust, I guess would be the best way of putting it too. Um, so for the moment I'm good. Uh, I'm looking at, uh, options though. Yeah, there's a lot out there. Um, one password I think is the most famous and uh, most used one. Uh, the other thing is, it's actually relatively easy to make good passwords. I think I'd, I think it was Edward Snowden. I saw, I saw something, him discussing this. I think with Stephen Colbert, and he was talking about making a password. And all you really need to do are use four words that don't really match together, but are words anyway. Should we throw some free password advice out here right now? Sure. Television. Uh, chicken. Book. Chicken. Three. There you go. Done. Boom. <laughs> Let us know if you plan on using the double density approved <laughs> password in any of your apps in the near future. You can uh, hit us up on Twitter at double underscore density. Uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing with Instagram, double density podcast. You can also find us on our website, double density net. If you want to click on the contact button and send us a quick message or, um, you know, uh, listen to any of our episodes if you're on a sign cloud currently, or also uh, read any of our recent blog entries about a cornucopia of really interesting tech and 
paranormal topics. I figured I'd get a quick plug in there uh, while we were talking about other things because you can never get enough plugs in there. You plugged our SoundCloud, which we haven't really been uh, upkeeping lately, but I'm sure you'll be uh, adding a few more episodes there. Most people do listen through uh, DoubleDensity.net, though, or their favorite podcast app. So continuing on um, the theme of uh, hacking and fear and other things like that, you want to talk about iCloud. Speaking of hacking, I have to cough. Hold on. That was a, a quintessential dad joke right there. Yeah, I do. I know, but I really had to cough. You also in the show notes had posted a, a Vice article about how scared should one be of hacking, uh, which I thought was interesting. And a question I don't know if people ask themselves enough inwardly. Yeah, I, I wasn't really scared about hackers getting to me, but I did read the article and it, it kind of makes it seem easier than I thought it was. And mostly it's it's in the article they mentioned that it's not like somebody, like we were saying, feverishly typing at a terminal to break into your account. It's it's all social engineering. They kind of just figure out your password. And it's like what happened a few years ago to that Wired um, author, um, the, uh, the journalist uh, Matt Honan, where uh, somebody basically ruined his digital life because they wanted his at Matt Twitter account handle. I don't know if you remember that. Yes, I do. But basically they called Apple and they social engineered the person at the other end to get to his uh, account and basically broke in with uh, with the three password, uh, three uh, keywords he had or whatever it was before two-factor. And this is what makes two-factor way more robust than than having those three words that you would like what's your favorite pet and who's your favorite superhero and where did you get married and things like that so the problem with that for me is uh you know in, in going back to talking about have i been pwned and a lot of older uh websites that have only logged in or accessed you know a decade ago i used to lie about those questions in order for people not to be able to guess my password but the lies have become so complex that i now <laughs> can't figure out which lie goes where yeah i i, I had that problem earlier this year with um the canadian revenue agency and not when i got that weird robocall from them but um it's because we had you had like five questions you had to answer and then you can log in and they ask you one of the questions every single time and they were asking me one for my wife and i couldn't remember what i had answered for her and then i had to go through this whole rigmarole to get it reactivated and it worked but it was just really annoying and i hated those questions i just much prefer if a company sends me a uh, text message like today i signed up for um Mon- the montreal parking app there and they changed a whole bunch of stuff recently and instead of asking you for a password you give them your your phone number and they send you a text message and then you log in and that's it with the text message what do you think of that that was it was actually pretty good and i, I put my credit card number and it's fine and it, and it seems to be secure i hope because they have to you have to have my phone number to be able to get into the thing Right. So unless somebody's cloning my SIM card, which I hope that hasn't happened, um, I'm relatively safe. If anyone needs Angelo's phone number, please send me a DM over Twitter. You can find me at Brian with an I hasty, and I'm willing to hook you up for a decent price. Thanks, Brian. (laughs) But I mean, it really is an interesting kind of conundrum, right? Like we live in times where um, uh, passwords are essential to our everyday lives, yet um, managing them and keeping them and protecting them are um, sort of difficult because they're not necessarily uh, within our hands, right? So a lot of these breaches happen at the database level where we have no control. So, you know, for we can protect ourselves as much as we want, but at the end of the day, um, unfortunately, it's not up to us to safeguard uh, these things. And I mean, look what the Equifax leak um, over the summer has caused problems for millions of people. 
Yeah, that was pretty horrific and not a lot of fun at all for the people who got affected. I don't think I've been affected. The thing is, I don't even want to go to their website to try because of what you mentioned. And there's a great article on DoubleDensity.net by Brian talking about the whole Equifax thing. I do not want to be uh, anywhere near that, unfortunately. Not Brian. Brian's article. His article is great. You want to be near that, but not near that breach because it's really unfortunate that the people in charge of your most private data um, just got destroyed like that so easily. I think it's a very good point. I think this is time uh, to make a quick double density security checkup with all of our listeners. And we ask you, no, actually, we implore you to think about the passwords you use. Um, do they need a refresh? Do you perhaps need to look at your security questions and change them up accordingly? Have you had two-factor authentication turned on for the apps and devices that you need to have that turned on to? I think it's a very good thing to think about once in a while. And I, I implore our listeners to sit down and really, really um, think things through in terms of their day-to-day. The two factors is really important. At the bare minimum, have it on for your Google account or your Apple account. Like the major, like if you're an Android user, have it on your Google account. If you're an Apple user, have it on your iCloud account. It's the most important thing to have because that's probably your most important uh, password, right? Wouldn't you say that your Google and your Apple password are your most important? For sure. I mean, those are your baseline passwords, right? Those are the 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 password by which you access an account that accesses other passwords in theory. The Apple one for me, especially because that's where I keep all my passwords. Now the whole password conundrum for me, um, basically has been solved uh, more or less with iCloud keychain because anytime I need to log into something and I don't, I don't need to think of a password. It auto generates through Safari and most of the time it works. Sometimes it doesn't work and I have to come up with my own, but at that point anyway, it gets saved. And I don't know if you know this, Brian, but if you go, into your settings on your phone, go into um, accounts and passwords. It's a new thing with iOS 11. And you, uh, you just t- type app web and website passwords. It lets you, it prompts you for your touch ID and you log in and you see all your passwords right there. But I have heard some uh, iCloud horror stories as of late. Uh, one from... Um, podcaster Mike Hurley. It was um, earlier last week where his iCloud basically deleted hundreds of documents from, from, his, uh, from his apps and he couldn't access them anymore. He had tried to delete just five things. He deleted them and it deleted like hundreds of things just for no reason. And Apple was no real help to get him to restore that. Apparently he did end up fixing it up, but I'll, um, I'll include a, a link to his uh, his Twitter, uh, his, his Twitter thread that he created for that because it was pretty awful and horrific. But I'm wondering, does, does anybody have any iCloud horror stories to share with us, uh, being that Halloween was yesterday, so it's the day after Halloween this, uh, this drops, but uh, maybe some post-Halloween horror stories? That could be fun uh, when it comes to iCloud. Or anything, really. I, I, let's extend that to any sort of a, a horror story involving any sort of tech Oh yeah, then that, that really expands it. That could be some really bad stuff, like the, the the worst dream you have, where you're you're trying to hand in a paper and you end up uh, it ends up getting erased from your computer, and then you have to hand it in naked. Right? That's the the common dream. That's the chain of events. Yes, yeah. that is correct. <laughs> well, like so, myself as an example, this week I um my Apple Watch has been slowly dying. So as we speak right now, my battery is at seventeen percent. Uh, usually at this time it would be like at 40%. So I don't know what's going on with it. Um, but to try and like 
restarted i i did a hard reboot on that and then a hard reboot on my iphone 8 which is a really weird process now i don't if, if i don't know if anybody knows but to hard reboot a, an iphone before you would hold down the home button and the side button but because the home button is no longer an actual button you can't do that on the 8 so you have to press volume up volume down and then hold the side button which is really weird anyway so i did that I went to reboot it. I went to look at my photos, um, I don't know, about an hour later, and I saw there were only 2,000 photos. Brian, normally it says there's 29,000 photos. If not more at this point. No, no, yeah, it's about 29,000 photos plus 1,700 videos. And, um, oh, actually, I, I hit exactly 28,000 photos today, 1,782 videos. I have no comment for that. So anyway, but it didn't say that. It said there were like 2,000 something. And then it said, uh, not updating, saving battery, but my battery was like at 80%. So it was trying to re-download my entire iCloud photo library. So it removed it from my phone and then re-downloaded it for some reason. I have no idea what I did that, but I'd say that my photos are my most precious thing I keep in iCloud. And for those to disappear kind of freaked me out, but they're all back. It ended up okay, except for some of the orders a bit messed up, but at least they're all safe and sound. But Things like that kind of freak me out. And I've noticed, I don't know if it was an iOS bug or if it was an iCloud bug, but um, my experience with iOS 11, although it's a, it seems like a good OS update, it's really buggy. In what ways? So I've had a few little flaky things happen, uh, some weird ways the screen pops in and stuff. But then, like for example, today I noticed I was listening to a podcast and I opened my... Um, I just turned on the phone, the, the lock screen, and there's a lock screen widget that shows you what's playing. The thing is, is the time wasn't moving, so it was paused at like 32 minutes, but the podcast was still, was still playing. And then it would kind of go up in like 10 or 15 second increments. So it's kind of a weird bug because that normally didn't used to happen before. Um, I've noticed several issues with the, the, unlock, with the unlocked um, screen on my iPhone since I've updated where sometimes uh, I'll have Spotify playing but um, the widget doesn't appear properly or the time doesn't appear properly. Okay, so it's the same thing as me. It's really, really odd. So at least I'm not alone uh, in that boat because um, hopefully the iOS 11.1 update comes out sooner rather than later. They're still on beta for that um, as of this recording and maybe out by the time this comes out though. So hopefully we're all happy with fixed... Um, ios and no more bizarre issues have you ever had any crazy things happen in terms of uh tech horror stories i've had uh, misplaced um sound files when i used to uh do sound projects in university so things like that where i've been able to sort of eventually uh, trace back where i was going and recover them uh, eventually but it's always that uh, fear of in the moment especially if you have a deadline for something that you don't know what's happening and you don't necessarily know how to fix it even if you've backed it up yeah the, the backing up is really important but Sometimes, like you said, if you can't fix it, there's not much you can do about it. And um, there's nothing worse than trying to recover, especially if you've done hours and hours of work. That's not fun. But for me, it's anything to do with my photos and stuff. If I lose that, I'm going to be very sad. That's why I have like 15 backups of them, but still. So the moral of the story is even the Batman of backups gets scared sometimes. Double 
Welcome back to the Double Density Podcast. And as always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So a quick story to kick things off this week. Over the weekend, uh, multiple people uh, had seen a unknown f- streaking object in the sky in St. John's, uh, which is in the Maritimes <laughs> here in Canada. I'm laughing because I'm picturing an unknown streaking object. It's like a naked UFO streaking across the sky. This ha- object had been seen by multiple people who reported to cbc.ca about it. And uh, so as of right now, it hasn't officially been identified as a meteor or anything of the sort, but it's pretty safe to say it's probably a meteor. It's probably a meteor, uh, but it, it, it would have been exciting to actually be there and see it because it, uh, the video that we saw wasn't moving that fast for a meteor, though. Don't meteors usually move way faster than that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, it depends really like how far up, it, et cetera, et cetera. But it also, I don't know if this is the video was shot in real time, right? So I'm not sure how to um, process that, if this That's was perhaps true. slowed down, uh, you know, to show the significant frames or anything but yeah so the fun thing is we'll and we'll link to the story in the show notes but a lot of people were just like i was sitting around having supper and i saw this streaking thing and wondered what it was but i didn't really bother getting up to take a look yeah it's kind of sad but what what are you gonna do you're having supper no, no time for no ufos i love the laissez-faire attitude of those people in the maritimes vis-a-vis aliens and um ufos so yeah. uh, that's a thing that's out there i guess <laughs> yeah there the thing is is that you automatically kind of just say, okay, it's probably just a meteor. It was kind of cool to see. Like I've seen stuff streak across the sky as well. And it was obviously a, a meteor of some kind, not any sort of spacecraft. Although what are your, what's your take? Maybe it could have been a, a satellite crashing, although they kind of know when those are, are kind of coming back into, into the earth, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, whether or not they plan on telling the general public about those sorts of things is another matter entirely, depending on what kind of satellite it is, if it's proprietary, etc. But um, I do definitely think that in this case, uh, this Newfoundland uh, unidentified object was probably part of some kind of meteor meteor shower, even though uh, people have been claiming things like, uh, you know, this ain't nothing like no firework I've ever seen before and other uh, assorted fun quotes from the locals. It was green, apparently, which is an interesting color, because usually meteors are red, right? They aren't, it's like fire, but maybe the atmosphere was kind of showing it that way, or who knows what material it was that was burning up, so it could have been any assortment of colors. Uh, the lucky thing is, is, if it was a meteor, it landed in a very uh, rural area and nobody was injured, because if a meteor hits your house, you're in trouble. Yeah, you're, you're done for. I mean... Uh... I'm trying to think of any movie where that's happened, but you know, I know exactly where that's happened. Um, and it was, it comes back to what we talked about last week is one of the early episodes of amazing stories where a meteor lands in someone's house and he become, he becomes magnetized. Well, there you go. You're just trying to bring things full circle over here. Yep. I hope Apple creates that one. Speaking about bringing things uh, full circle though, uh, we've been joking for the last couple of weeks about wanting to talk about uh, lake monsters and we've been bumping them off over and over, but this is finally the week where we actually get to talk about them. So um, basically what had happened is that last month I was in the Magog region in Quebec and um, during my uh, weekend there, I started to think about the Memphrey Magog monster, which is a lake monster that exists in the region of the Memphrey Magog uh, lake. And I was just thinking about how fun it would be to sort of uh, discuss uh, lake monsters and uh, not only the Memphrey Magog lake monster, but, you know, it's more famous brethren such as, you know, the Loch Ness monster and the Ogopogo monster and even Champ, you know, which is located uh, you know, around here in Upper New York State, I do believe, and we talked about that in episode uh, twenty-four with our guest Rob. Yeah, I've always I love Champ's name actually, and uh, it, it was 
I remember seeing that one on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, and there was some pretty interesting footage they had caught with, uh, I think it was Champ, and it was really interesting that it's, it always seems like some sort of undulating, like, eel-like thing, and one of the uh, theories is that it's an unknown uh, giant eel of some kind, so it's not really a paranormal thing. It's This is... In my opinion, lake monsters are the least paranormal of the paranormal things, if if that makes any sense to you, Ryan. I, I definitely do understand what you're trying to say, and let's, you know, in terms of you know, this is uh, this the possibility of a uh, aquatic based monster or you know creature, I guess would be a nicer way of putting it, uh, that has yet to be cataloged is uh, quite believable. And I was thinking about this before in terms of you know, like. Um, the vastness of space kind of exists in an infinitely large amount of uh, physical territory. So uh, being able to say whether or not things exist out there is a little more difficult. But even um, when we consider all of the uh, oceans and other uh, masses of water that exist here on Earth, you know, we'd like to think that we're well-researched. But really, um, when you consider uh, how much we've cataloged and how much is still out there in terms of underwater creatures that we've yet to identify catalog and interact with it's still a, a vastly large number and a lot of people don't actually realize that well we only recently found those interesting luminous creatures that were so far down that we couldn't get there though the i don't know what they're called are they called like self-luminous or something like that uh, i'm not a marine biologist unfortunately but those were relatively recent discoveries in the last 20 or so years and I think it's only just recently as well that they figured out that the giant squid is an actual giant squid and it actually exists uh, and they can become huge. Um, One of the ones that I did like, there's an Atlas Obscura article that I uh, linked to uh, in the show notes, Brian, but the Lake Monsters of America. And it's the first one on the list and it made me laugh when I saw it. It's the Lake Worth Monster. Did you see that one? Yeah, I did. I think that, uh, you know, I think that people should definitely take a look at our show notes in order to just take a look at this uh, really fun little map of things. Yeah, I th- I thought it was pretty great. But the picture of the half goat, half man, bizarre uh, Lake Worth monster is not the typical looking actual lake monster we think of. We So when, when you think lake monster, Brian, what comes to your head right away? something uh, uh very slippery um eel-like i guess would be the best way of putting it something very long right <laughs> all right you gave me a lot to work with there right <laughs> <laughs> all right well start start unpacking <laughs> Jeez. uh see okay well you didn't go where i thought you were gonna go with that because what i think and it's because of the uh the so-called surgeon's photo of uh the loch ness monsters i picture a plesiosaur because of that a rounded neck with the head sticking out sort of like what you would see with a plesiosaur that would be living millions of years uh, too late. Uh, and obviously that photo has been proven hoax. I didn't realize it was proven a hoax such a long time ago in the mid-70s. Uh, I always thought like that was held up even in the 80s and 90s when I was a kid as, oh, this is a picture of the Loch Ness Monster, but it's it's been a proven hoax for many, many years. But that made things a lot more popular, and that's what I picture. But yes, I think in the last 20 or 30 years, uh, things have uh, gone towards that uh, slightly pornographic image you created with the slippery, long uh, (laughs) uh, eel monster. I just think I look at a lot more images of a variety of different monsters and a lot of them, you know, um, either, you know, when you're describing the Loch Ness Monster, it has a very long neck, right, in theory? Yes. 
So I, I picture very elongated limbs and things like that. Um, when we do talk about these cryptids, uh, you know, and the Loch Ness monster, I think was more or less conclusively proven uh, a fraud in 2003. Right. So what happened is that the BBC got a bunch of money together and they said, Hey, we're going to use all these sonar beams and satellites and try to, you know, um, because the area in which it lives is not gigantic necessarily, right? So they said, okay, we're going to track our thing and we're going to see what we can find. And it conclusively came up as nothing at all, right? So we can, I think we can conclusively say that while it's fun to think about, uh, Nessie is not an actual thing that exists. So um, what I think happens is that, I don't know if you've ever watched that show Lake Monsters or River Monsters. Or even just gone to an aquarium. I, I've been to a few aquariums with my kids. And there's some giant, creepy-looking fish that live in our lakes, even uh, anywhere in North America. The, just something like a sturgeon is, is huge and really gross-looking and bizarre. Or just there's giant catfish as well. And if these ever come up just towards the surface and make some ripples and you see part of their bodies you're going to think it's a monster because you're not expecting to see a fish that big. It again comes down to similar like when people mistake um, Chinese lanterns as UFOs or uh, even uh, hot air balloons or blimps because your brain's not used to seeing that sometimes. You make the mistake that it's not an actual uh, anomalous object in the sky. It's just in your head seeing that something bizarre there and it's making a mistake. Now, I'm not saying, again, I don't want to say that all UFO sightings are are or blimps or whatever. I'm not saying that, but a lot of times people misconstrue what they're seeing and the same seems to be happening happening with these lake monsters. Uh, for example, in, in uh, Magog, there's definitely huge fish in that lake and if they surface for any reason and you see it out of the corner of your eye or just quickly, you're going to think it's something else and not just some standard fish that's way bigger than you thought it was. Yeah, that's definitely a very, very good point in that I, I think it is human nature to want to search for an answer. And sometimes the easier one is the fantastical one, even though that's clearly uh, not the case in the majority, if not all of these, right? Like, I want to believe that these cryptids exist. Like, don't get me wrong. I really do wish that they were out there, um, you know, lounging about, maybe buying a sun chair, you know, for the beach, just hanging out. <laughs> having a good time but of course that's not the case uh but yeah you know when I, when I was uh in Magog I was I was just thinking like wouldn't it be great to look over at the Memphrey Magog Lake and just see this little head poking over and maybe winking at me and then going back down again <laughs> with a with a cute little cap on and then just going down underneath and relaxing for the rest of the day <laughs> exactly well an interesting side note about the Memphrey Magog is that um a couple of years ago the Royal Mint issued quarters and uh, these were the um, mythical creatures of Canada um quarter so one of them is of course the Memphrey uh, Magog monster and there's another one I think that has uh, a Bigfoot and I'm drawing a blank if there were more of those maybe Ogopogo perhaps yeah but i mean there's a whole series of them but yeah one of them was definitely the memory quarter and i'm waiting to come across one in the wild and uh, keep it in my pocket we do have a lot of fun money here in canada and just the fact that our our ones and twos are called loonies and toonies is pretty interesting i was in the states on uh, on sunday on the weekend and it was really funny because uh, every time i come back to canada i'm very thankful of the color-coded money and coins that we do have like you were just saying because it, it definitely gives me uh, a better sense of what i do have on me when i carry money around 
which is not something that I do regularly. And I mean, that is a segment we could talk about, you know, in another episode for tech about uh, our paperless society, but it's definitely not something that I do have uh, a lot of. Yeah, I was actually, uh, I had, I, I have cash on me from time to time because I, I pay for our kids' daycare in cash. But uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not one to carry cash around anymore, especially uh, with some like Apple Pay and all that. That's uh, maybe that's a, a, a topic for a different section of this show. But uh, I do find it great that our government decided to put some of our cryptos on a coin. But that brings me back to, are these actually cryptids, right? If they're actual animals that we just haven't discovered, what makes them cryptids? Uh, because a cryptid is something paranormal, if I'm understanding it correctly. But if these are just either undiscovered sea creatures, then once we discover them, do they cease being cryptids and just be become part of the genealogy of animals? I think that's what it is, right? So a cryptid is a uh, creature whose existence is questionable, I guess would be the best way of putting it, right? So right now, the Manfrey Magog monster, uh, Nessie, well, not so no, not so much Nessie, because I think that like conclusively has been put to bed, but a lot more of these other creatures from around North America and the world at large um, do exist in this weird limbo of... Uh, do they exist and don't they exist? And because of the nature of a lot of these uh, gigantic waterways, it's kind of hard to conclusively prove that they exist, right? So here's my question for you. Uh, you know, the chupacabra is a land-based cryptid, right? It is. We Are you willing to believe more in that versus uh, a lake monster? Or are lake monsters the more like a likely uh, creature to exist in your sphere? I think, uh, and I've said this before, of all the paranormal things... Um, the cryptids are the most likely to actually be something. Uh, so the lake monsters, what's great there is that it's so hard to see what's in a lake. And it's extraordinarily possible that there is something we haven't discovered in a lake. So I, I'd say I'd put the lake ones uh, higher up than anything on land because we're, we're it's more easy to see something on land. But... Uh, because less people are just diving in lakes all the time, but people are walking through the woods and do see things. And this does bring up something. I don't want to spend too much time with, with Bigfoot or anything, but I, I recently watched uh, a, a short documentary series on um, Netflix, three episodes of this British show, Searching for Bigfoot. Um, and it was really interesting because they had all these people that had all these really great samples, and they actually used real science to look at these samples. And every single one turned out to be a bear of some kind. Which is a really interesting dichotomy when you consider the fact that, like, um, a Bigfoot is a bipedal creature. Bears are usually on four, like, you know, on all feet. On all feet, yes. Yeah. <laughs> My English is escaping me at the moment as I look at these pictures of, uh, of lake-based cryptids. I, I love them. I, I'm still, I still really like the goat guy, but still. <laughs> the goat guy looks like he's hanging out so if anyone wants to follow along um head up the atlas of scare website the link is in the show notes um let's get a little bit more out there though so are you willing to do this with me oh please so an article you linked by nick redfern uh about cryptids is sort of really interesting and then it kind of veers off into really strange territory right yeah so nick redfern's one of my favorites out there he's he's he was just actually on an episode of the paracast and uh if anybody's interested, I was actually on the After the Paracast episode uh, adjacent to that, which is only available to subscribers. But um, 
he's a lot of fun and he has i don't know how, how this man can write so many books in such a short time i think he, he has just dozens and dozens of books on all kinds of different paranormal uh things he's uh, well versed in pretty much everything and this is one of his articles about lake monsters it's on uh, mysterious universe it's from 2013 and the part i found most interesting which relates to you brian is towards the end he mentions one of your favorites. So Nick Redfern is quoting Jim Mars in one of his books, Sci Spies. And the best part about that is that uh, Jim Mars is inferring that a lot of these lake monsters, like the Loch Ness Monster, are actually ghosts of dinosaurs that people are seeing. Huh. Jim Mars. He's missed. <laughs> May he rest in peace. But yeah, so the idea of uh, the Loch Ness Monster being a ghost of a dinosaur, which is why... Uh, Nessie does not show up on satellite imagery because uh, it exists on a different plane than what you're used to tracking, right? So my reaction to that is like his reaction to when that lady called in in that clip of Coast to Coast that you added to our, um, I remember which episode it was, but it was the one where we talked about Jim Mars passing and you added that and it was like, what? What are you saying? Yeah, the, the, the man being the light, J. Adam whatever. Yeah, so this is pretty far out there with explanations as to what uh, Nessie can be because you're kind of mixing everything in there to kind of make your explanation work so Nessie is like a ghost I'm so I'm surprised didn't add like it's a ghost that was like a creature that was killed by a UFO and then it became a special spectral ghost that can can all be seen with special equipment well here's another one for you right so if if we're theorizing at this point follow me with this one uh Lake monsters are the garbage byproduct of testing done by aliens uh, who want to see how they do in a live setting. My goodness. And, and, and does this lead to the fact that we're li- living in a simulation as well? Well, of course, logically speaking, that's the only conclusion you can draw when you start thinking about us being a social experiment and, uh, uh, you know, uh, introducing the X factor of lake monsters and other cryptids. I give this a solid five on a one to ten scale of plausibility, Brian. <laughs> what would make it more plausible for you if uh, there was a press conference called and you did admit this that would be like a seven or an eight for you well no if the, yeah i guess it, even towards a nine at that point it'd still be hard to believe but if they're if it's on the news it's true right well exactly um quickly switching gears though from uh lake monsters to something a little more uh pertinent i guess to things so the next episode that we'll record we'll probably get into the uh declassified jfk documents which come out uh so we're recording on october 24th but the documents come out on october 26th i feel next week for the week after we'll be uh discussing some of them and even donald trump tweeted out that he's not going to block the release of these things so but he made it sound like he's the one who who made it happen which it was determined many, many years ago that this was happening. And I know that because many, many years ago, I said, hey, that's going to happen on my 40th birthday. So yeah, there we go. On uh, Those are going to be released as a birthday present to me. Exclusively. They knew exactly what was happening. They're like, you know what, Angelo, we're going to give you a great gift. Here you go. Uh, so speaking about that, let's just do some hypothesizing. Like, Do you think that there anything that's going to be declassified will be of any significance at all? The Kennedy assassination is very interesting because... It was a conspiracy of some kind, and what kind of conspiracy it was is where all the debate happens, right? It could have been a conspiracy by one guy who just was a crack shot and had some sort of interesting bullet that was able to do all kinds of magical things, or it was just a lucky shot, or it was 
uh, he was just a patsy, he never had anything to do with it, and the government planned it, or the mob planned it, or it was the men in black. Who knows? There's so many, it runs the gamut. It's, it's so interesting because it, it, it has so many different explanations. Not all of them plausible, unfortunately, but uh, some people th- would think that the uh, official story is implausible, but I'm curious to see if anything will pop up. I don't think there will be anything revelatory. Otherwise, this would never have been released. Yeah, I definitely do think that uh, enough time has elapsed in order for something to come out. But I do believe that they've had, what, like 50 years to sanitize the stuff. So I think a lot of it will be redacted. And I think a lot of it will be of little or no consequence for those fervently seeking meat on the bone uh, with regards to these documents. I think will be sorely disappointed. But you never know. There may be some pearls in there, right? Well, the thing is, we can be completely wrong. And people listening to this after they're released, they're yelling at their iPhones or Android phones or computers or what have you where they listen to this podcast. Uh, and who knows? I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong, and that there's something pretty amazing that comes out of this, and we have some answers to some uh, long-lasting questions, but I am not going to be very hopeful with anything coming from the government because it's going to be basically four or five words on a page with everything else in black. So what you're hoping for right now is JFK disclosure, best case scenario, but most probable scenario will be not that at all. And there probably won't even be a really kick-ass press conference. No, there won't be any press conference at all. <laughs> It'll just be dropped. I'm, so, how, do, you know how, do you know how they're disseminating this information, by the way? I think it's through the president's Twitter account. <laughs> just dropping PDFs yeah. here and there yeah. all day long on the 26th? I, actually, I, would, it, would it end up on that FBI site we had linked to earlier where they talk about UFOs and the, the uh, I think even John Lennon was on that site? Um, That's a really good question. I have no idea what the plan for dissemination is, right? Because uh, in theory, a lot of people will be interested in obtaining this information as quickly as possible. So I'm wondering what kind of online platform they're planning on using to get this out there. All of these beautifully uh, black marked redacted documents. Maybe archive.org. Oh, maybe that. Uh, th- that could be a possibility. Um, uh, maybe it'll be on the Google. The Google, yeah. yeah because you have that little <laughs> thing. You type it in and it just finds everything. The goggle, as one of my coworkers said today, awkwardly. You told me that people were having trouble pronouncing meme. Oh, it was a joke. Okay. Yes. Good. Okay. No, good. no, it was it was definitely a joke, and I yelled out, "It's May May!" Actually, um, <laughs> and I thought they'd almost believe me, but they did not. That's too bad. So yeah, things to look forward to next week include uh, disclosure, uh, JFK disclosure, and uh, you uh, talking about the iPhone 10 in theory. Well, the the next time we record, the iPhone will be um, either on its way out or out. It will be past the pre, um, what's it called? <laughs> the pre-buying? Pre-order. Speech. Pre-order. Wow, I couldn't think of the word. Pre-buying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be... The wishful buying portion of the yeah, day. Yeah, we'll be past that. I'll be okay. I'll have my iPhone 8 Plus. I'm sure if I, once I see one out in the wild, I'll be very interested in seeing what that person's doing and how they're using it wrong. But if I see somebody... <laughs> On their iPhone 10, flicking away and quitting apps, I'm just going to knock it out of their hand. I can't wait for you to become a viral star. Seriously, like, you have the privilege of using such an amazing product, and you're doing it wrong. I remember the guy I was uh, kind of looking at, and he was uh, flicking away his, his iPhone apps the other day. Yes. Well, uh, he, he was standing in front of me again, and I couldn't help but notice his screen is completely shattered, poor guy. Poor guy, but he probably did it to himself. So I don't really know if it's you know his 
uh, if you should muster any sympathy for him at this point. Well, he's got it in a case. I don't know how it, it could have shattered. It's really bad. He needs to go get it fixed. I'm going to be, I'll be counting how many days it takes for him to fix his phone. <laughs> to be honest with you, the, the case may have been bought post-crack, though, when he realized he may need protection for his phone. For, oh, yeah. You know, I've never noticed if he actually had a case on it or not, to be quite honest. Um, you know what? Maybe you should describe him in detail, and that way we can all stalk him alongside you. I'm going to mention it to him tomorrow when I see him on the trail. Hey, listen. <laughs> Go to www.doubledensity.net and uh, this is going to be what, episode 27? So, yes. uh, slash 27. Go to... Uh, Tell him, hey, buddy, uh, I want you to go to this website, wait for a week till the episode drops, and then thank me later. Just be there. Just stay. And you know what? Listen to the other 25 or 26 episodes. They're all great. And, there we uh, go. Yeah. I feel like this is as good a time as any other to end episode 27 of the Double Daisy podcast yeah. because I do feel like we've entered rambling territory, which is fine, but I feel like maybe enough is enough. What do you think? I think it's good. We don't want to lose any listeners. Everybody, hopefully, y'all love us. And um, if you do, please go to iTunes or the Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice review. We'll be happy to hear what you have to say about us. There we go. This has been episode 27 of the Double Density Podcast. And as always, you can find us over at doubledensity.net for all your episode needs, as well as contacting us. Or if you want to read some of our blog slash article entries, you can find us on Twitter, double underscore density, where we're always tweeting about all sorts of things and also retweeting things that we like and love and hate at the same time. You can also find us at facebook.com slash double density podcast. The same thing with Instagram at double density podcast. Tune in next week as Angelo loses his crap over the iPhone 11. Angela, it's been a pleasure. See ya. See ya, Brian. Goodbye, Angelo. Meow. So my, my cat is driving me crazy tonight and she just wants attention. I don't know why. Go away. So where were we? Go away. <laughs>